Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. We are so excited and honored to have a one of a kind before, but more and more is <laughs> just like uh, gravitating to what Rebecca Friedrich has done. So we're just honored because we would like to dedicate this episode for the parents, grandparents, wannabe parents, for teachers, current teachers and wannabe teachers. So listen up because we all in agreement that without education, the right education, whether it be at home, outside, we will go nowhere. And that's usually the key to the family's progress, the community and the country's progress. But there's always, problems and that um, or blockages or like hurdles that we have to go through so that we could continue what our founding fathers would like us to have in this country and for the kids. So today we have Rebecca Friedrich and who has written a book Standing Up to Goliath and also she founded that website where you could get a lot of information um, from before and current for you. And this is for kidsandcountry.org. Rebecca had over, is going, she says 28, but I'm sure it will be over 28 years of public school teacher when she was forced to find state and to national teachers union Wolf's politics and divisive tactics degraded her profession as in our in the schools and also so i believe grace has uh, paused <laughs> she was doing the introduction <laughs> but rebecca you might kind of for those that don't aren't aware of you you might let us know the story so that they could kind of get what this is all about absolutely i'd be happy to introduce myself it's such an honor to be here with your audience and with all of you so i was a 28 year public school teacher i would still be there except our public school systems are so corrupt that i felt called to leave the public school system and blow the whistle to um, America and indeed the world that uh, there's an organization that calls itself a teacher union and they are neither teachers nor are they a union. Um, they may have taught, some of the people working in that union may have taught, uh, you know, technically teachers, but they don't have the heart of teachers. They're not there for the profession of teachers or to um, help teachers to improve their craft or to help children. And they aren't really a union in the traditional sense. I call them an education mafia because what they do is they force everybody to pay them and then they use the money to promote a very radical um, anti-American, anti-family agenda um, off the backs of teachers who have no idea that they're funding this. So about halfway into my career, um, I was always forced to pay them. So I decided to step up as a union rep and try to change things from the inside. And that's when I discovered they didn't want to be changed. They were doing exactly what they set out to do. And that was to literally undermine the American educational system, which used to be excellent 
uh, based upon what our founders set up for us. And uh, our founders told us something. The only way to keep a free republic is with a well-educated moral citizenry that can self-govern. So these, quote, unions came in literally to destroy excellence in education and morals. And because they don't want us to self-govern, they want to turn America into a socialist country. So uh, once I figured out what these people were up to, I joined a group of teachers all from California and we sued the California Teachers Association and the National Education Association. And our lawsuit was to end forced unionism for every government employee in the United States of America because government unions are corrupt. They aren't what they say they are. They're actually damaging our country and damaging the world with their very radical agenda. So our case was heard at the United States Supreme Court in 2016. I was lead plaintiff, so the case was named after me. It was Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association. And uh, everyone, even the New York Times, admitted that we won the oral arguments at the U.S. Supreme Court that day. And then something very strange happened. A month later, Justice Scalia died. So that put our case on a very strange course. We ended up with a tie. Long story short, uh, we uh, were able to set the stage for another case to come along after the Trump win and a new justice. And in 2018, every single government employee in the United States of America was freed from paying forced union dues. And uh, so my, my goal now is to educate them because most people have no idea that they've been freed from the grip of these unions. Many people want to leave them, but they don't know they're freed. Many people know they're freed, but they're too terrified to leave them because as I said, they're really more of a mafia and they use mafia tactics to terrorize people. So it's my goal to reach people like you who care about freedom, uh, not only in America, but worldwide, to wake people up that these government unions are not who they say they are, to help us to adopt teachers and other government employees to let them know they no longer have to fund these unions. And then they, once they realize that, they can go to our website for kidsandcountry.org and we walk them out, uh, walk them through the uh, union exit process and help them with everything they need. Rebecca, who are the best educators for our children? Because that's always like a, a question when, when parents start doubting themselves. Yes, the best educator for your child is you, mom and dad. Uh, grandparents are great too. Let me give you a little bit of history. So um, when our founders, the American founders set up our American educational system, they didn't set it up as these giant schools, this industrial school complex. They set it up as little tiny home schools, um, one-room schoolhouses, what we today would call a co-op, you know, little neighbors working together. Uh, our children were in these gigantic schools. And oh, guess what? They were doing great. Americans were, over 90% of Americans were reading wonderfully and they were writing and they were entrepreneurial and America thrived. But what happened was these unions stepped in, they started in 1867 and they worked to undermine everything. And one of the things they, they are very clever at is messaging, propaganda. And one of their biggest messages that they've been sending to you is parents can't do it. Experts have to teach the children. It's not the parent's job. The parent isn't an expert. That's a lie. 
And the sooner people see it as a lie, the sooner our children will start learning again. These so-called experts, I've listened to a lot of them. I've been forced to listen to a lot of them as a public school teacher. Most of them have no idea what they're talking about. They've never taught a child how to read. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, they've just been promoted by the union uh, machine. And uh, a lot of times they're not very smart. Some of them are dangerous. Some of them are grooming our kids. So um, parents, you are the number one educator for your children. And if you're a great teacher, if you really are in the profession to uh, educate, to give children knowledge, um, then you are a supporter of parents. You're someone who comes alongside and parents and great teachers can work together and then our children can learn again. Uh, it's really simple. It's not rocket science. Is it possible still to transform or to, to you know, to transform the unions and to go back to what they're originally founded for? Because I know it's, it's impossible to dissolve them because they can be a powerful uh, agent of change if they have to. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. First of all, when we sued the unions, everybody told us it couldn't be done. Everyone said, there's no way you can't enforce unionism in the United States. We ended it because it was the right thing to do. It's unconstitutional to force people to fund a union, um, to fund anything, uh, especially government employees who are being paid by taxpayer dollars. So it used to be in our country that government unions were illegal. So I'm not talking about private sector unions. That's a whole different topic. I'm talking about government unions that are funded by tax dollars, that are manipulating taxpayers, that are using tax dollars to put their uh, chosen candidates into office who are purposely destroying the American Free Republic and exchanging it for communism. The, I mean, these people are traitors. So in my opinion, we need to make government unions illegal again. They do not belong there. I believe that we could easily uh, reform our educational system if the unions were out. As long as the unions are in, we can never reform our public educational system. And we need to just scrap it and uh, do our own thing. If I were queen of the world, um, I would lower taxes so that parents could fund their own education of their children. That's what we used to do in this country. Our founders were very clear. They didn't want tax dollars funding a public education system. Uh, they gave, uh, when, when people started a town, the government gave them a plot of land, which was a huge gift. And they used that plot of land to build a school. That's how much the government was involved in the olden days. They weren't funding the teachers. They weren't telling us what to teach. They weren't telling us what curricula to use, Common Core and all this other nonsense. So we need to boot all of that out. We need to get the government out. Uh, I would remove the federal Department of Ed, the state and county departments of Ed, and make everything very localized. Um, so I do believe we can reform it, but it can only be reformed if the unions are out and the government's out. I'll jump in there because uh, I see that Grace is, is actually uh, getting internet problems. Um, I saw that through one of the videos that I looked at that you were trying to get information about what they're actually doing with the money that people have to pay for their union dues, and they weren't forthcoming with that. <laughs> That's right. Mafias never are very honest about what they're doing with the money. So yes, my entire career, I was never once permitted to see the books, to see where the, my forced union dues were going and how they were being spent. But when I became a union rep and I served on the inside for three years and I, I served on the board of my local union, so I was invited to go to state level meetings. 
when I went into those meetings, even as a rep, I wasn't permitted to see the books. I could see my own local, the little tiny, um, just just for so folks understand. When a teacher paid, let's say a teacher pays a thousand dollars a year in dues, about a hundred dollars or less of that is going to stay at the local. The rest goes up to the state and the national unions. So the the unions, state and national unions together, are collecting billions, billions and billions annually tax-free. The locals are poor. They have just a tiny bit of money. So I could see this tiny bit, what we were doing with this small amount, but I was never permitted to see the state and the national level and their books. And then this is a little more in the weeds, but there was a way for teachers like me who were against the union, even when we were forced and we were pushing back, there was a way where we were supposedly allowed to come in and view the books once a year. Let me tell you how that went. So you had to be a non-member fee payer. So you're still paying them all the money, but you just don't want to be a member. Um, and if you did that, you were allowed to come to their their uh, their main headquarters. For me, that was like a 10 hour drive. And um, they would have I, have, I have friends who've done this. This is why I know exactly what, what happens. You get there, there's all these giant tables, uh, you know, eight foot tables all over. And on top of them are stacks, you know, two feet high stacks of of books, of all the you know expenditures of the union for the year, the teachers allowed allowed a you know a couple hours to go through and try to go through all these papers. They're bullied through the whole thing. They're not allowed to take pictures. They're not allowed to take anything home. They're supposed to just see it all and figure out the whole you know uh, 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 expenditures of the union from this couple hours, and then they go to this mediation where they're bullied some more by a supposed judge and some. Uh, mafiaista type union uh, leaders. And so the friends of mine that I've had actually go through that process, not only felt completely bullied through the whole thing, but silenced, they felt brushed off, they were mocked, they were literally laughed at, and they got no information. The only thing they could see was that these union bigwigs have free cell phones and they're getting uh, you know, loans for their cars from off the backs of teachers. They're living a limousine lifestyle off the backs of teachers. Um, but there was absolutely nothing teachers could do to change it or to actually see all the numbers or to to gain a voice. When we tried to gain a voice, um, I actually tried that at a state level meeting and some other teachers. They just completely silence you and bully you and basically tell you, if you don't agree with us, if you don't agree with our politics, then there's something wrong with you. So um, teachers have been silenced for a really long time and they've never, ever been given the right to see how their money is spent precisely. Um, they can read the annual uh, new business items that the unions pass. They're all extremely radical, so they can get an idea of where their money's being spent. For example, if a teacher at a, a, um, the annual meeting says, hey, I think we should pass a business item that says teachers should be knowledgeable in their subject area and teachers should do a great job, the union never votes for those. They cut those down. Um, but if it says, uh, open borders, abolishing ICE, defunding police, uh, let's promote the LGBTQ agenda, or let's promote you know any leftist agenda out there. All of those get passed and promoted. So if teachers want to see how their money's being spent, they won't see the numbers, but they can see the categories if they go to our website for kidsandcountry.org and click on uh, union politics. Is it possible to get the information through the freedom of information? Oh, that is such a great question. I don't 
think so because unions are private organizations that have been given this carte blanche to run public institutions. And if it's my understanding of freedom of information, that's for us taxpayers to get information from public institutions. I might be wrong, but the, the unions, this is where they're so crooked. They're private organizations, you know, collecting billions tax-free every year, spending it to destroy our country and our freedoms. And there's just no way to hold them accountable. So um, this is why I, I, it's, it's my goal in life, I hope before I die, to make them illegal. Uh, and, and just, you know, they have no place. They're the middleman you never wanted. Uh, and they're really destructive. And uh, I saw Mike Pompeo wrote an article the other day, and he said that Randy Weingarten, the president of, of one of the teacher unions, is the most dangerous person in, in America. I couldn't agree more. Uh, all these government unions are very dangerous. And like, not just for the teachers, but I remember when my father was working, he was a projectionist uh, and he, he was fighting the unions and he was like saying, getting nothing. And he said he was had more of a fight. And he saw him later all going for a meal together, you know, the owner of. The, so it's like it's rotten to the core with most unions and people like like you're able to get people not to pay. But most people, they don't even know what they're paying. They just think this is a part of life and I need to do this. Yeah, you, that is so well said. And and I agree with you. It's happening in every industry. I was just talking to some folks who are forced to pay a Screen Actors Guild. And they were telling me they, that, you know, that's so corrupt. And so you're right. The private sector unions, many are corrupt. The public sector government unions, all of them are corrupt. Um, and, and just uh, so that people are clear, if you're in a private sector union, you still have to pay. I'm really sorry. We were only able to sue uh, the government unions because they're using taxpayer funding. So, um, but if you're a government employee, you work for the VA, the DMV, um, the uh, any Department of Education, any government agency, uh, the FBI. Oh, no surprise, the CDC is unionized. That's why they're so corrupt. So, all of these agencies and institutions are, if they're collecting union dues from you, you don't have to pay them anymore. You've been freed. And so, we really urge people. Uh, even if, if you think this union's on your side, you think they got you a raise, you know, you think your pension's so great, uh, your pension's underfunded by trillions. And um, it, it's really interesting. Trump was actually improving that, uh, but your unions chased him out of office. So um, they're really they're really doing nothing for you except damaging your children, damaging your profession, destroying your liberties, destroying the United States of America, the best country uh, you know, that's ever existed. And um, this is this is what government unions do. They are not who they say they are. So if you're in a government union, please, I beg of you, uh, at least come to our website for kidsandcountry.org and learn about how to get out of those unions. It's really easy. No, definitely. And I'm seeing like through different countries, but mainly in the US, like they're teaching sex education to toddlers and the transgender thing like they're kind of saying yeah you 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 have a right over your parents everything is twisted and i mean to see that for you being a teacher and what you've gone through it must be disgusting a disgusting is a really good word for it I, I honestly i to me it's demonic what are these people up to why do they want our kids why are they sexualizing our kids why are they grooming our kids this that's why i say it's demonic like nobody normal would ever want to harm a child in that way. My entire career, I was required to report child abuse. If someone spoke sexually to a child, I would have reported that as abuse. Now, all of a sudden, you have all these teachers 
abusing children with sexualized material. And I'd like to add to what you said. You pointed out this is worldwide. This is why I'm helping, trying to help people to understand. It's your union that's behind this. So they, these unions, these government unions, have their fingers in all over the world, in countries all over the world. They're in bed with the United Nations, which is highly corrupt. They're in bed with the World Health Organization, which is highly corrupt. All these corrupt organizations that claim to have our back don't. And they're behind this whole agenda to, they want to destroy the family. Now, why would you want to do that unless you're demonic? But uh, the other thing I want to point out is the most important institution to a country is the family. The only way of a country is going to survive and thrive is with strong families. So these people are purposely undermining the family and they're doing it worldwide. And um, unfortunately, uh, millions and millions of Americans are funding the demise of families worldwide and they're doing it through their so-called union dues. So, um, so that's why you know, I'm grateful to you all for helping me to get the word out that don't pay these unions anymore. Please, if you're wondering how to help save America, how to save Germany, how to save Australia, how to save all these countries around the world that are struggling, stop funding unions. And like they, they took out the phonetics out of the schooling system but what like through my learning and just tracing back my own journey the way that they're giving homework to children which they're not really teaching them in the in the classroom they're giving them hours is basically they don't have the creativeness when they go home to play with their friends or sit down with their parents and then their parents are biting the head off them because they're not doing their homework the whole lot is orchestrated to create tension in the household yeah, you are so right, Roy. I'm so glad you I mean you just nailed it. And I'm glad you brought up the phonics. Okay, look, this was on purpose. Look, if you don't hate the unions for anything else, hate them for this. So the National Education Association was started in 1867. One of their stated goals was to bring uh, the government into education and to make us more like a socialist country. They brought in the Prussian model of education. One of the things they did on purpose, this is heavily um, uh, uh, documented. Uh, there's a wonderful book called NEA, A Trojan Horse in American Education uh, by Samuel Blumenfeld. He's no longer with us, but his book is, and it's incredible. I recommend it to everyone. And in that book, he very meticulously uh, proves and documents that the, the teachers unions, quote teachers unions, the education mafia, the National Education Association and their friends on purpose removed phonics instruction from our public schools. Now, people say, okay, well, what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. For 3,500 years of recorded history, every language that's alphabetic has used a phonics system to teach their children how to read. You can teach a child to read in literally a couple of months they can be reading in two months and they can literally be reading newspapers within like a year of phonics instruction. If you have solid phonics instruction, these kids can not only sound out words that they won't even understand, but they can sound out these big, long words and, and um, you know, read uh, way beyond their own reading level because they have the phonics space. But not only that, they learn how to spell while they're learning phonics because part of phonics is this way that you... Um, you put down the sound and then you blend it together and you're constantly writing and you're learning how to spell. So phonics instruction is what leads to um, 
great uh, reading. I mean, you become an outstanding reader if you learn phonics. Even if your special needs, you can learn how to read using phonics and you can use quick learn quickly. But what did the unions and their friends do, uh, including John Dewey, who was a socialist, who was a horrible person, and he did not come up with the Dewey Decimal System. That's a different Dewey. But John Dewey was a bad guy. These folks purposely removed phonics and they exchanged it for the look-say method, like Dick and Jane, that kind of stuff. And basically what's happened is now our children are just learning to memorize some words on a page and they do not have large vocabularies. They do not know how to read. They have some words memorized. And um, what this has done is it has caused mass um, um, numbers of millions of people to be functional uh functionally illiterate. And before the removal of phonics, nobody ever heard of dyslexia. Dyslexia was not a problem until they removed the phonics. And all of a sudden we have all these kids with dyslexia. Look, the, the so-called teacher unions are behind this. My whole career, they were trying to remove the phonics. In my district, I was able, myself and another teacher were able to get them to bring the phonics back in. So our kids were learning. They've now removed it at my old district. So it's this constant battle where the unions are pulling out the phonics the very tried and true method that leads to great reading. And they've replaced it with quackery. <clears throat> they've replaced it with absolute, no, there's no proof that it will actually, there's a ton of proof that it doesn't work, the look-say method, that it's actually causing illiteracy. So you can blame the so-called teacher unions if you're illiterate, if you know someone who's illiterate, if you have dyslexia, it's their fault. So these are, um, this is evil to purposely make people unable to read and unable to function in life um, that's an evil thing for them to do. Yet they say that they're teachers. They're not teachers. Real teachers educate. And um, so I'm really glad. Thank you for bringing that up, Roy. And like you mentioned the memory, because I even know that going back to when I was in school. And it was all about the person with the memory remembering everything was the one rewarded, who then they tried to kind of condition him to get into the corporation. So you just comply but they don't look at the other social skills that a person has at all. They just look at the one and you're ostracized for being different and they get rid of all, I don't know, is it like that in America, but in, in Ireland, they were getting rid of art, music, all the creativity was just being squashed. And I'm assuming that's worldwide as well. Yes, it's exactly the same in America. In fact, my husband uh, was director of the School of Music and Dance at a major university here. He started out as a middle school band director. So his passion is getting music into the schools. At my entire career, 28 years, we did not have a music program in our school, nothing. We had, for a short time, we had a choir teacher who would come once a week and, and you know, the kids would sing. I could do that with them. Um, I mean, it was just an absolute shame. And the, the school districts claim they don't have enough money. That's a lie. What's going on is the government unions are sucking out so much money. It's so corrupt. They've put all these people up an administrative level that you don't need, and they're sucking up money. And so what, what's happening is the, child, the, 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 the money's not reaching the classroom. The money's not reaching the children. So you're right, they've removed all these creative things, but I'll tell you what else they've done that is really, really destructive is they have been destroying boys. And I believe it's by design because if you can you know, make boys think they're not as strong and smart and, and whatever as they really are, uh, you can destroy a society that way. And we see a lot of feminized boys these days, a lot of boys who don't want to be boys. Well, what I witnessed with my own eyes and what they tried to do to my own son is they're constantly slapping labels on little boys. 
oh, you're deficit and disorder, you're ADD, you're ADHD, you're all these labels. And then they want to give these boys uh, basically um, uh, stimulants, uh, small doses of things like, it's not literally cocaine, but it's like cocaine, to make them sit and be, you know, empty shells all day long. This, in my opinion, is on purpose and it's highly destructive. So what I noticed is what they've done is they've removed all the things you just talked about and they've removed the hands-on sort of learning and, you know, empowering teachers to do laboratory experiments and that kind of stuff that boys thrive on and hands-on learners thrive. Um, and they, they want these boys to sit like this all day and fold their hands like they're a little girl and be bored and fill in bubbles and, um, you know, not even learn how to read with a phonetic structure so that they're frustrated and they can't read what's on the page. And I believe that our public school system is destroying boys. And I believe it's on purpose. And then they blame the boys. You're ADD. You're ADHD. You have to take these pills. And then um, they have convinced a lot of parents to believe this. I, I travel a lot and I'm in airports and I see these moms who are totally frustrated. My son's ADD. Oh, his ADD is driving me crazy. No, he's a little boy. He's supposed to be loaded with energy. He's supposed to be out there running around. We need him to be powerful. We need him to lead the pack. You know, if he had been in a, an Indian tribe, he would have been the leader out there getting dinner and, you know, taking care of everybody. We have to stop, number one, emasculating our boys, number two, blaming our boys, drugging our boys, and telling our boys that they're dumb or that they're somehow not good enough. Um, the boys that were always pegged for ADD, ADHD, they were always the most brilliant boys in my class. And so we have these brilliant a high IQ, young men who have so much to offer this world, the Elon Musks of the world, right? Um, and we're pushing them down and we're telling them you're no good and we're putting them on drugs. That's a problem. And that's the fault of the same people running the unions and this whole agenda in our schools. So if nothing else, let's, let's get those folks out so we can save our boys. Absolutely. And just finally, before I pass you over to Jane, because I think it's very relevant as well. When this craziness was happening the last few years, they were blasting 5G everywhere. And I've noticed that even here, they're on top of the schools. And I know personally, it is deadly because I've talked to military experts about this. This is a weapon and it's actually destroying the cells of the children because it hurts them worse than anybody else. And I know that in America as well, they're all over the schools. Yes, 5G is everywhere. In fact, every time I pick up my phone, uh, my cell phone now, it says 5G. It never says anything but 5G anymore. Um, you know, just like we were saying earlier, this is this is a by design a way to, to harm people. Uh, who's behind that? I mean, again, that's why I say it's demonic, in my opinion. Um, not only do we have the issue of the 5G, but what about the uh, the vaccinations that they're forcing? on you know, teachers and, and all kinds of employees and saying they wanna push it onto the children. Vaccinations that have not been studied, uh, vaccinations that we know are killing people. Um, and for little kids who get over the illness easily with their God-given immune systems, what about the masks that they force the children to wear? Those aren't healthy for them. And um, you know, the list just goes on and on. And this might seem unrelated, but I can tell you this whole free lunch system um, the food they're feeding those kids is horrible. I used to go every morning and I would write down what they were feeding my students because I could tell two hours later they were bouncing off the walls and they couldn't concentrate. They were feeding them things like sugary covered cereals and churros and donuts and chocolate muffins. 
this is not food. Um, you know, it's very bad for them. And, you know, so we're harming our kids in, in multiple ways, you know, not only from the environment or from the food we're giving them, from the lack of education we're giving them, from the drugs we're putting into them. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's just an outright attack on our children. And I'd like to mention, too, that the so-called teacher unions had a backroom deal with the CDC to keep our schools closed, to keep our kids masked. And uh, the CDC, as I mentioned before, is unionized. So the reason they're corrupt is because they're run by a government union. Excellent. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And I love what you're doing. And I think it's you know fitting that we pass it to Jane, who's a neuropathic doctor who talks about food as well, so she can right. further on what we've just discussed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roy. Yeah, where to start? <laughs> you know, I was grateful for COVID because it got my kids out of the public school system. <laughs> and, you know, within two weeks, I was like, why has their personality changed? Now they're actually respectful and they listen and they're part of the family again. So, I mean, parents just, I, we do what we think is best for our kids, right? And we, we think that this education is so important and we just want them to succeed. I mean, I remember when my girls were six, seven, getting three hours of homework and I was like, what the heck? And I just... I was like, well, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't get the greatest marks, but I was, I, I was like, that's just wrong. Like they don't, they should be playing when they get home. And yeah, just, I mean, it goes on. They couldn't, I mean, they should be able to sign their own name. And you're like, what are they teaching you at school? <laughs> and yeah. And food uh, anyway. And I think what's important is to, First of all, to get your message is that teachers need to stop funding unions, right? That's number yes. one. And yes. parents need to say, we're not supporting this system. Get their own way of educating their kids. Yes. And, but just to really nail it home, what are some of the big red flags you've seen that are obvious programming? to our kids. Like I know oh. you said they had to go uh, march against Trump when he was first sworn in. Um, oh my gosh, some, yes. You know, oh. some, some of the things that, you, that you've that you seen, they're just way over the top to scare parents. Right? Yeah. yeah, you yeah. guys have done your research. This is great. Um, you said a lot. I would like to just address a couple of things you said. Um, first of all, you mentioned our kids signing their names. So cursive. Cursive has been removed on purpose. Um, I can't tell you why, but I have a guess. All of our primary documents in the United States of America are written in cursive. If you can't read cursive, you can't read the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. You can't read the uh, journal kept by uh, Christopher Columbus. Okay, so you're going to believe all the lies. So I think that's why they've removed the cursive. Also, cursive is good for your brain. And when you're learning cursive, it's actually it like, like music, like Roy was bringing up the music, very good for your brain, very good for your mathematical skills, very good for your rhythmic uh, in reading. Rith um, reading's a very rhythmic um, process. And so music's good for all of that. Um, and then you also mentioned that your kids became better kids two weeks after they were home. So one of the big propaganda that the unions and their friends push out there is that, oh, homeschool homeschooled kids are strange. You know, they're not, they don't have any friends or whatever. That's a big fat lie. They just want all kids in their government run 
uh, schools so they can indoctrinate them all, turn them all into you know good little communists. Uh, but actually, homeschooled kids are far more polite. Uh, they are uh, they're well mannered. They're the kind of people who can continue a free republic. But the kids in our public schools, if their parents aren't really working hard to protect them from what they're learning in public schools, they're the kinds of kids who are going to burn down America and join Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Uh, by the way, the government unions support Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the teachers unions uh, bragged that they helped start Black Lives Matter. So it's very important that people understand, you know, uh, all of those details. But as far as big programming uh, that I've seen, what you just mentioned, um, when President Trump was first um, being inaugurated, I witnessed this on my school campus. Um, the unions came out with all their crybaby stuff that, oh, Trump is so bad and all of this stuff. Now, I could tell you the majority of the teachers on my campus were glad that Trump was elected. They were devastated when Obama won his second term. Okay, Most teachers are conservatives. They don't buy into this stuff. They just are forced to fund it. So they're not forced anymore, but they were. And many of them think they're still forced. But I witnessed with my own eyes the union tell teachers, look, if any kids want to miss class the morning of the Trump inauguration, their parents can pull them out of class to protest. I witnessed kindergartners protesting against President Trump's inauguration with their parents because their parents were manipulated by the unions. How do the parents manipulate union? Or how do they get manipulated? Well, it's through the PTA, the Parent Teacher Association. It was completely um, bullied in the 1960s and 1970s. And they were bullied so harshly by the unions that the PTA took a stance of neutrality. So now the PTA has to remain neutral on all issues. They can't stand against the union on anything. And what's happened over the years is they've been taken over by the unions. And so these, any parent that gets promoted in the PTA, promoted up to the county or state level, they're always going to be your angry parent, your parent that's easily manipulated, your parent that, um, you know, they'll feed up their ego. Oh, we want to promote you because you're so great. So the parent that's kind of prideful, oh yeah, I'm going to get promoted. Um, and so it's the parents that buy into this very woke leftist angry agenda. They're the ones promoted in PTA. So PTA is completely corrupted now. And so PTA is being used to manipulate these parents. So these parents pull their kids out of school to protest Trump, they think they're doing the right thing. They have no idea that they're just useful idiots being used by a, a very um, a communist system that is uh, using them and their kids to actually bring damage um, to America. Another thing I saw uh, while I was teaching, my husband was a professor and I was teaching elementary school. So between the two of us, we had three or four monthly magazines that were forced on us. They were sent to our home even though we didn't want them. On the cover of one of the magazines my husband received, the um, uh, Cal California Faculty Association and the NEA, these, all these unions, were, had pictures of the women who started Black Lives Matter on the cover of the magazine, and they were bragging that they helped start it and encouraging teachers to get involved with Black Lives Matter. They also brought Black Lives Matter Week of Action into our schools. And um, I could actually literally go on for hours and hours about all of the major indoctrination going on, but just kind of some of the things parents would recognize. Critical race theory, that is a communist Marxist agenda. It's just divide and conquer. That is pushed by the so-called teacher unions into our schools. And our children are, are being taught to hate each other. Uh, we had gotten over that. Um, I taught in a, a highly immigrant area in uh, Northern Orange County, California. 
Uh, we had 42 languages on our campus. And I remember every year my students and I would celebrate we are living Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream. We're every color. I was always the whitest person in the room. I, I would have little boys fall in love with me because I had light eyes. You know, they were used to brown and dark eyes. And so we, um, you know, we would celebrate. We're living the dream. We're, we all love each other. We're friends. We're family, uh, even though we don't look alike at all. And thanks to these evil, wicked, so-called teacher unions, they have come in and they've destroyed that. And they're making children hate each other. And they're telling children to look at color. And they're telling children that one's oppressed and another's an oppressor. It's, it's just, it's the most evil agenda. And um, your kids are being damaged by it, whether you know it or not, if they're in a public school. You might have a great teacher. Your child might be in the classroom of a great teacher. But this corrupt environment has taken over every public school in America. And great teachers are getting bullied and they're getting isolated like I was. And um, so your child might have a good teacher this year, but your child will be damaged in a public school. So I urge parents to pull them out, do anything you can. I was a single mom and I found a way to put my son in a private school. So um, you just have to make it a priority. Don't go out to dinner so much. Maybe one car instead of two cars. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did too. Um, they went into a private school, so they and it was all online. So they were living at home, and we saw huge change. Yes. And so, what are the things that they do so that children like they don't have the respect for the parents yes. that we had growing up? And I, I've always, I've always been, you know, they would say things to me like, "You can't do that. We can call so and so." <laughs> I feel like, well, you can go live somewhere else then because this is what's happening here. But yeah. but there's no discipline in the schools, right? Like that's yeah. part of the so, big problem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is all by design and this is all, again, the fault of the so-called unions. So let's, let's address the discipline first. That one's a little easier. Um, under the Obama administration, the, uh, the so-called teachers unions wrote policy to uh, end great discipline in our schools and the Obama administration pushed that forward. How did they get school districts to buy into it? Well, Obama administration wrote this dear colleague letter, you know, telling all the schools, hey, you know, uh, kids of color are uh, suspended at much higher rates and that's wrong, that's racist. It didn't matter if they had behavior at problems at much higher rates. It, it was all about race, according to Obama and the unions. So they created this whole new policy. Um, I call it anti-discipline policy, where school districts were told you have to, at an arbitrary level, bring down your suspension rates. Doesn't matter if the behavior gets worse or the behavior is same, you have to bring down the suspension rates for kids of color. Now, how did they get schools to do this? Money. There's always a carrot attached. So they attached, you know, tons of money to this policy. So unfortunately, these school districts bought into it all over the country. Shame on you. If you're a school district leader and you bought into this for the money, shame on you. You've caused the demise of our classrooms, our children, our teachers. So what happened, I was still teaching at the time this happened. I had the same principal, same school. Uh, so I was teaching the same grade level. And all of a sudden, my classroom became a war zone. And I'm a, I was a great disciplinarian. The principal always gave me the kids that were in in trouble or had to parent in jail or whatever, because they knew that I would hold the boundaries, love the child and, and, you know, make sure they were disciplined. 
But as soon as this Obama era discipline policy was passed, all of a sudden, I couldn't get any support for discipline. So just for an example, a, a child would be disrupting class and, and being you know brutal to others. I would send the child for discipline. The child would be back in my room in 10 minutes with a note, dear Mrs. Friedrichs, I'll never do this again. I'm so sorry. Five minutes later, the kid would do it again. And then there was never any consequences, never. And then I was trying to do all the consequences, calling parents in. I mean, it was just exhausting. And we literally had kids that would come back from the principal with a lollipop. They, kids that would beat other kids up and there would be no discipline. So this was all because these school districts want more money. And it all came through the Obama administration and teachers, your union funded this, your unions behind it. They're behind the demise of your classroom. And I, I just so hope that teachers will awaken to that because they go running to their union. Help me, help me. All these problems in my classroom. Your union caused it. It's, it the union is the, you know, uh, the, um, the fox in the hen house. They're the ones destroying you. So, okay, the second question you asked me about, you asked me about the discipline. And then what was the second thing, Jane? About you know what? I'm, I'm so into what you're saying about discipline. Like it's shocking. It is. It's, it's shocking how it's happened, and it's been an attack on every front. Like they know what to do, yes. and like my my education goes into unconscious programming. So I've always understood when kids are programmed, when they're being drugged, when yeah. they're like for for what? For being like you said, active young boys. Like I, I was like, well, any parent that would listen to me, I was like, well, don't have them diagnosed. Just mm -hmm. don't do it. But exactly. it's exactly. Uh, it's it's shocking. It really is. And the pharmaceutical companies just as or industry is just as guilty. They're making all kinds of money off drugging those little boys. But speaking of, most people are awakened to the pharmaceutical industry and they're evil. But did you know that the so-called teacher unions spend more money on politics than, than the pharmaceutical industry? I have a graph in my book um, where uh, California actually did a, um, not, not the state of California, but a, a nonprofit organization did a, um, a study on who spent the most to influence politics in the state of California. Number one, uh, there was 15, 15 organizations. Number one was the California Teachers Association. The top four were government unions and the pharmaceutical companies were down here. The, un the teacher union had spent double that of big pharma uh, influencing politics. So the pharmaceutical companies making a lot of money off of this. And so are the unions. These people are mafiistas and they're in it together. I mean, just think about it. Just think about how evil it is. First, you indoctrinate the teachers in the educational system that there's all these boys that have ADHD and all these boys need to be drugged and they should be sitting still all day. That's the first indoctrination. Then you indoctrinate the parents. Then you point out the boys and you bully and you know say this kid needs to be on the drugs. Then the pharmaceutical company is the one providing the drugs. Just think about that, how evil that is, the way they're working together on this to bring damage to, um, to children. It's just, it's unconscionable. It is. I mean, by the time they're teenagers, my my kids had great friends, but most of them were on some kind of drug to either help them learn or help them calm down. Or I'm like, what it would happen to self-regulation and what happened to listening and hearing someone's heart and knowing who they are and what help what happened to 
learning self-discipline so that you can succeed in life, right? Like it's just yes. such a mess. Yes. And I can tell you, I was in college when they switched out self-control, which is a fruit of godliness, self-control. They switched that out for self-esteem. And self-esteem is one of the biggest propaganda pieces that's ever hit the world. And all these teachers and parents think it's all about self-esteem and everybody gets a trophy and, you know, that. that how, to, how to raise a narcissist, right? <laughs> exactly. And then, and then it also impacts that they don't have the self-control. So then we're going to drug them with all of this. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, it's really, when you break it down and you, and you really go back to see how intentional it all was, the only thing you can do is be disgusted at these people and expose them for what they are. Yeah. So what happens to kids that you've seen in this teaching of self-esteem and everyone gets a trophy? Like what happens is they become so self-absorbed. They're not really interested in what happens in the country or to other people or helping like knowing that each of us contribute in a way and, and learning to fail is one of the, best ways to learn, isn't it? Like it's absolutely. I, we used to tell our sons when they were little, we want you to make mistakes because you need to learn the lessons of mistakes when the price tags are low, mm -hmm. make your mistakes. Now don't make your mistake when you're married and it turns into a divorce or you bought a house and you lose your home and ruin your credit, make the mistakes. Now, what I have noticed about this whole self-esteem industry, boy, it's a big money industry. Number one, it has twisted the minds of parents. Parents who used to discipline their kids, who used to expect respect from their children, mm -hmm. who used to expect their children to work hard, uh, you know, earn things, they've been twisted. They give their kids everything. They spoil them. Uh, kids have become very entitled. And I think probably the best picture to share with you is, is just a real life story. I have two sons. One's 27, one's 30. My 27-year-old is a welder. He works 12 hours a day, works for SpaceX. He's the hardest working young man. Our 30-year-old was a minor league baseball player. Now he's just got a, a new job working hard. Our sons understand if you want to make it in life, you have to work hard. You have to be respectful to people. You have to you know, be committed to your company, do the best you can for your employer. But do you know that our sons have a hard time finding close friends because so many of the young people their age think it's okay to just take a free check from the government and sit home and do nothing all day and play video games. So that's what I believe this self-esteem has led to is entitlement, a total lack of morals. If you can sit home all day and play video games and take money off the taxpayers and you don't feel badly about that, you're not injured. You know, it's not just a temporary problem, um, but you're, this is your lifestyle. Um, you don't have any morals. And that happened because of our public school system. Our public school system not only made people entitled, but they made them immoral and lazy. And, um, and I mean, they just completely upended the American psyche. Um, this is a, a country built upon Judeo-Christian virtues. And one of those virtues is hard work <laughs> and being, you know, putting others before yourself. Um, and they flipped it on its head and it's really frightening and it's dangerous. Uh, not only for our country, but for, for the world. Yeah. And again, they knew what they were doing, right? Because people Absolutely. are naturally lazy. So, I I mean, I refuse to take anything through the whole thing because I, you know, I have these morals. But there's help wanted signs everywhere. Yes. 
right? And yep. so it's destroying businesses in a very insidious way. By design. Yeah. By On design. purpose. Yeah. 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 Oh, Rebecca. Oh, hon, thank you for everything you've done. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I've enjoyed it so much, but I have to pass you to Hartman. <laughs> thank you. Um, Rebecca, one very important word you said is the communist system. And you are 100% right. And the, and the thing is, uh, we have to compare this communist system with 1984, uh, written by George Orwell. Yes. And uh, the interesting thing is uh, the the union, what you're talking about, they were established in the early 19th centuries, 18th, uh, 20th centuries. And uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of the um, book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he made a brilliant statement a couple of days ago. He said the central bank system is a communist system. So that we have the central bank system, which is a communist system. We have the unions, which work in communism. And the interesting thing is that in the early 20th century, John D. Rockefeller put a significant amount of investment into education system. Yeah. And he created the General Education Board with 129 million US dollars. Yeah. And uh, he thought... Uh, he doesn't. He he, um, he doesn't want to have uh, philosophers or uh, scientists. He wants to have workers. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's right. So we work here the whole time in the working class, and they want to have us in the working class. And I want to. And I want to make a quote of the um, of the National Education Association in 1914, um, which uh, which stated. We view with alarm the activity of the Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations agencies not in any way responsible to the people in their efforts to control the policies of our state's educational institutions to fashion after their conceptions to standardize our course of study and to surround the institutions with conditions with minions, true academic freedom and defeat the primary person of democracy as heretofore preserved inviolate in our common schools, normal schools and universities. Who's, who was, said that quote? Who was that quote? This from? was a quote of the National Education Association. Wow. And... Um, that says it all. So we have here a communist system, and this communist system shows its face. Yep. Yes. And and uh, and the interesting thing is the most uh, in the education system, the communist system system is characterized by demoralization. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if you demoral demoralize someone. In that moment, he has no ambitions anymore because That's he doesn't, right. he stopped thinking. That's right. Yeah. Do you have That's any comment on that? Oh, I have a lot of comments on that. <laughs> First of all, 100% it's a communist system. The National Education Association is pushing a communist system. Uh, the public school system is a communist system built on the Prussian model um, by design. And um, it is definitely to make all of us, you know, these lower level workers. You're exactly right that they don't want us to be, um, they don't want us to know how to think. They want to tell us how to think. 
so that we will just follow along and do whatever the tyrants tell us to do. The demoralization is the thing that has me the most concerned these days because it's working. It's working on Americans who were ambitious, who were um, you know, leading the world and uh, innovating and everything else. And I am seeing a lot of demoralized young people, a lot of them. And, and I'm talking about young people who are skilled, who are, um, uh, who are hard workers, but they're getting demoralized because they're seeing our elections being stolen. They're seeing, uh, like uh, Jane mentioned, all these stores that don't have employees or I'm in California, half of our small business is closed down because of the evil uh, COVID mandates. Um, so I agree with you 100%. It's a communist system. The, I'm so glad that people are starting to see through the Rockefeller Foundation and all, um, you know, there's a, Rockefeller's sons, actually, when they started learning on the look-say method, they couldn't read. And so he saw it right there for himself that this system doesn't work, but they went forward with it anyway. So um, <clears throat> it's evil. You know, it's a system to set up um, uh, a small number of leaders who, uh, who just reign terror over the rest. And um, it's frightening. And, and I think what's, what's even more frightening about it is many of the leaders that are over us are idiots. They know nothing. I mean, like the Kamala Harris is of the world. The woman knows nothing. And so it's very frightening that we have these evil tyrants um, who are gaining more and more power through demoralization. And I think it's something, um, I, I don't know precisely how to fight it, but it's something we have to fight. I do know getting rid of the unions is part of the way to fight it. But, um, you know, I'm grateful to you that you, that you see through that. And um, it's key. Um, I, am, I have this from um, an article which is written on the website thesoulgem.com over the, the, about the school system. And uh, he has also a very good quote from uh, where he is, uh, Frederick T. Gates. I think the name Gates we all know very well. And this Frederick T. Gates was a prominent member of the General Education Board, which was established by the Rockefeller Foundation. What coincidence? And yeah. uh, we had, and he said the following: We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or men of science. We have not to raise up from among them authors, editors, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor lawyers, doctors, preachers, politicians, statements of whom we have an ample supply. That's mm. it. That's, that's the school system of United States of America, which was infiltrated in 1914 and which, was, which is now you know, the main system in the US. Yeah, that's right. And, and I just, all I can say is that's evil. It's, just yeah. compl it's complete evil to want to deny people the the callings in their lives, the, the, the beauty in their lives, the knowledge, the morals to deny all of that for some hideous, uh, communist system. It's, it's unreal. I would love to have that quote. If you could send it to me after the interview, that is really <laughs> I can, I can send it. I will send it to Grace. And, uh, uh, the interesting thing, for example, the poet Johann Wolfgang Goethe, 
the German poet, he he had a vocabulary of ninety thousand words. Wow. The the average German has a vocabulary of sixteen thousand words. Wow. And the most read newspapers in Germany use four hundred words. Isn't that something? <laughs> That's the same way here in America. They they dumb it all down. Dumb it down to I think it's a sixth grade level or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. this is uh, and uh, it's all about yeah. It's and the, also the situation with the children, the demoralization. If the the interesting thing about demoralization is people who who are demoralized, they have uh, their will is broken, yeah. and in that moment they are not willing to see the truth. Right, that's right. Yeah. I, I even think sometimes they're not able to see the truth. I think they're so yeah. beaten down. It's like, it's like if, if anyone's ever experienced depression, when you're depressed, you just don't think straight and you make decisions that you wouldn't normally make if you weren't depressed. And I, and that's what I'm seeing with the people that are demoralized. Um, and some of them are, are very dear to me um, who are, who are really making some poor decisions because they really believe that all is lost. And so, you know, I think that's a, that's a call to all of us uh, of how important this fight is and how we can't give up. Even if we start to feel demoralized, we need to keep fighting. There's so much at stake. Yeah. And um, concerning the education, this is something different, but it's also quite important to understand. Um, for example, also the concerning the sexualization of the school system. Sigmund Freud used to take cocaine. He was also, let's say, uh, he thought about pedophilia. Hmm. Yeah. No and um, the interesting thing is that the owner of Mark, uh, the owner Mark Randolph, uh, the owner of Netflix is Mark Randolph. And Mark Randolph is a relative of this family. Wow. So Netflix, so the whole Freud family had this huge psychological impact on the US mm -hmm. by the by the nephew of, of Freud, I forgot his yes. name, who, who created the propaganda. Mm -hmm. And this Mark Rudolph is a relative to this family. I don't know in which in which way. Wow. So it's and this is Netflix. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to point out, I, I don't know if this is still the case, but the Obamas were on the board of directors for Netflix. That was enough to make me not buy it. Um, and Netflix does, I mean, they have some shockingly, uh, you know, pedophilia, pedophilia type programs like that. Uh, Cuties, I think it was called, where they were yeah. sexualizing these little girls. Um, no, I, I think the thing that bothers me is how many people I know who have Netflix, people who disagree with um sexualizing children or disagree with the Obama administration or disagree with the communist agenda, but they're paying Netflix. So one of the easy things we can do there is, is help people to understand that and to stop paying for Netflix. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the things that communists do is to try to entertain people and entertain them into sleep, you know? And so I think it's, it's time for us to help people to realize too, you know, you have to stop setting aside your values just so you can be entertained. So um, I think it's, that's uh, the, the, the sexualization in the school system. It has also a very 
cruel purpose because if the if there's if the children are, are sexualized very young and interact very young yeah. this make them let's say independent yes. from the parents that's right and in that moment they are uh, they try to find their own way and their own way is taught by the school system and in that moment, the school system or the children start to observe the, 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 the parents and to get control over the parents. We have this here, it sounds weird, we have this here in Germany because we have the Green Party in Germany, now in the, in the government, and the kindergarten, they make, they political, politicalize the kindergarten, the children in the kindergarten. So if the, if the mother brings the children with the car to school, that's bad. And the children get, let's say, the friends said, uh, the friends of the children says, hey, your mother drives with a, with a car. This is not good. They shall drive with, with a bicycle. Yeah. The children are four years old. Yep. They're doing that in America too. And one of the things I want to point out while you're on this topic, especially since you mentioned Orwell's 1984. Um, one of the things that the uh, National Education Association has done is they've created what's called a social justice toolkit for children. And um, I have screenshots of the one on the California Teachers Association site. And they literally work in partnership with the Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that organization in other countries, but Southern Poverty Law Center came out with a hate map and they listed as hate groups. Um, Christian organizations, conservative organizations, Republican organizations, Jewish organizations, and they listed these people as haters. And um, so they're really the haters, but, you know, calling good people haters. Anyway, this Southern Poverty Law Center worked in partnership with the so-called teachers unions to make this toolkit. And on this toolkit, children can click live links to Southern Poverty Law Center where they can report their parents, their teacher, their friend, as a hater, what makes you a hater? Well, you believe marriage is between a man and a woman, or you believe there's only two genders, male and female, or something like that. You can be called a hater and children can literally report you. This is totally Orwellian. And um, it's, com it's, it's the way communists work. They always work to sexualize the children. They always work to turn the children against the parents. They always work to destroy the morals in the family and to destroy the family structure because that's how they destroy the country. It's very, very evil. Yep, yep, that's one hundred percent agreed. And um, also, um, Aldous Huxley, who was who wrote the uh, the book "The Brave A Brave New World," the Brave New World, and uh, who was the let's say not the teacher, but who had a big influence on on George Orwell, and because the book was written in nineteen thirties, roundabout. And uh, the interesting thing about Aldous Huxley is that there is a quote, I think he should do it at the University of Berkeley, in which he stated that in future, this was 1962, we will have a society which will be, which will give up their free will for, um, for, the, for the security and accept a virus or accept the medical drugs in order to have their free will. It's yeah. unbelievable. Wow, yeah. wow. 
Um, I think these guys are prophets. Yeah, and yes. you know, they, they know they know it. They know it. Yeah. They, they, let's say it this way. In my opinion, everything is orchestrated, and uh, they know what the, the, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for example, Codex Alimentarius. This was the. This was. Um, uh, it's only in 1968. The Codex Alimentarius was described the use of genetic modified food. Hmm. Yeah. So and it came in in nineteen uh, in two thousand nine. It became uh, it became uh, it became it became law. It's like, they, it's like, they, uh, they can't help telling us what's coming, right? Yeah. 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 Those GMOs are highly destructive. Um, I can't, there's a lot of things I can't eat. And I believe it's because of the genetically modified, the things they've done to corn and wheat and, you know. And these, and these poison things, they, they this is what it orchestrates, uh, the ADS, the ADS in the children mm. as well. Yes. Yeah, you're saying, I, I didn't understand that completely. You're saying the food is causing the, food, the problems the in the children. And then the brain doesn't work uh, like uh, like the children like it should work in, in right. the children. Right. Again, it's evil. It's evil. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. I pass you to Grace. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, this is awesome. I want to bring up uh, one or two comments of Jeff Baton because he really made very good comments. He said. Rebecca, you make the union sound so much like the WEF, whole system of accounts and methods of treating anyone who questions them. And I don't, uh, I'm not familiar with WEF. Well, WEF? The, the World Economic Forum. Oh, World Economic Forum. I'm very familiar with them. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Evil. Yeah. And then uh, this one is the Rockefeller set up the American schools to produce laborers, not scientists. Soros is building a system which wants very few people. They will be chipped and AI will run the world for the Rockefellers. If this is the model the oligarchs want, we have a very big fight for survival of the freedoms we are used to. Yeah, yeah. So um, do you want briefly before you sign off and tell, can you tell them about the movie that you guys created and then let them know where they can support you or how we can support you and all the other important things. So the fight goes on. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'm thrilled that your audience is so well informed. Thank you all for what you're doing. It's been a, a great conversation. Um, your audience can find us at fourkidsandcountry.org. We have all kinds of resources there. Everything there is free, free to you. If you want to get out of a union, you just click on union exit and we walk you through the process. You find your union on a, an interactive map. We only have the United States. I apologize that we don't aren't outside of the United States, but um, literally it walks you right through the process. The biggest thing that we ask of you is could you please adopt a teacher that you know or another government employee that you know who's paying the unions, educate them on the truth about these evil people so that they'll stop paying them and then walk them through the process on our website because these people feel really alone. If you have a mafia running your um, your business or you know you're you go to work every day and you're terrorized by mafia tactics, you're not very likely to not to stop paying that evil system because, you know, you're vulnerable when you stop paying them. But if we can get people to stop paying them, we really can um, fix things. We could fix things so much faster. I'm, you know, I think it was Ben Franklin who told us 
Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If we could just prevent people from paying this evil, I mean, they're collecting hundreds of billions annually, these government unions, and using it to destroy freedom. So if we could just get people to stop funding them, then um, we'd actually have a chance. So uh, for kidsandcountry.org, um, the movie we made is called Whose Children Are They? It basically, um, I wrote a book called uh, Standing Up to Goliath, which is the testimonies of many teachers and some parents and some kids. And we expose the unions for who they are. We expose them for being behind all the sex ed. They wrote the laws. Uh, they're the ones sexualizing your kids. We expose them for being behind the destruction of the PTA, for being behind the anti-discipline policies and all of that. Um, and that's all in that book. But what we discovered is a lot of people don't read anymore. Hmm, I wonder why. That's by design too. So we decided to make a movie that would be more accessible to those who um, who just don't like to read for various reasons. The book is is deeper. It goes into more, and we really highly recommend it. But the the movie's also great too. The movie um, again, it's it's testimonies exposing the unions, exposing them for uh, being communists for um, bringing in the Federal Department of Education and public school system and for destroying uh, our school system. So you can find all of this on our website um, for kidsandcountry.org. And the movie again is called Whose Children Are They? And it's when you find it on the on our website, you'll see that it's streaming in, um, you can buy it on DVD or um, streaming. And if you're a Mike Lindell fan, our movie is on my store. So you could buy the DVD on my store and help Mike Lindell at the same time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And we will do that. I myself uh, attends board meetings and organizational meetings. And one of them is the Center for Garden State Family. So, and there are teachers there who attend, teachers who are like you. So I just have to remind them that maybe to really take, get off the union. So thank yes. you very much and yeah, source bless and I you know, hope your family is doing well. And to all the viewers, please um, make sure you share this. And I know many of you still watch it in Facebook, but do share it on the BitChute, Rumble, and we all distribute it among the four of us and many more. And thank you and God bless you all.